0: to worship. You probably are used to this, but as a newcomer, to be able to walk in and see the sun streaming through the stained glass windows is a a beautiful sight to behold. There's a sight that's even a little bit nicer than that, though, and that's seeing your faces, even though I know we're partly obscured with masks, but it is a delight to see you. As we gather today for worship, our focus as always, is on God's call in our life. And as Jesus spends time with his disciples, sometimes he needs to do some corrective. And in Mark's Gospel, that takes the form of reminding us of our reason for being, which is we serve just as the Son of Man came to serve and to give his life for the sake of others. So may that be our focus today as we worship together. I will also extend a word of greeting because we're here and there are others with us in the communion of saints and those would be people who are joining us online and viewing video versions of our worship. So we are delighted uh, that they join us in worship today. There is, I can think of two more things that I'll say and then we will begin. Uh, One is a word of thanks and welcome to Jen, who will be leading our music for us today. And the other is that uh, the worship folder you have provided, I think, will provide all of the texts and prompting that uh, will help us as we worship today. according to St. Mark. As we read today, there are some important verses that need to be added to the scheduled readings. And I have a hunch that as I read, you will sense Jesus' words of urgency and why he says what he says. I begin at verse 32. The disciples were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. They were amazed, and those who followed were afraid. Jesus took the twelve aside again and began to tell them what was to happen to him, saying, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death, and they will hand him over to the Gentiles. They will mock him, spit upon him, and flog him, and kill him. And after three days, he will rise again. One wonders how much time elapses between those words and this request the disciples make. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward to Jesus and said to him, Teacher... We want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And Jesus said to them, What is it you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink? or be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they replied, We are able. Then Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not for, my, for me to grant, but it is for them for whom it has been prepared. When the ten heard this, they began to be angry with James and John. So Jesus called them and said to them, You know, that among the Gentiles, Isles, those whom they recognize as their rulers, lord it over them, and their great ones are over them. But it is not so among you, but whoever wishes to become great among you. Servant and And whoever wishes to be first among you must be saved of all. For the the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and And to give his life as a ransom for many. The Gospel of our Lord. Grace Grace to you and peace from God our Father and Creator, from Christ who serves us and the Spirit who gathers us into one. I am looking here and I have a hunch that many of you have done some parenting and you've done some grandparenting or maybe you had nephews, nieces, or others in your charge, or it's possible that you remember this from your own childhood, when you would do the big ask and your parents or those in authority would say, we'll see. Not exactly a hard no, but not really yes either. When Jesus receives the question from the disciples about sitting in glory, he sort of says, we'll see. He doesn't really say no. But as we go on, yes, he does. But he says no to the forms of power that keep people down. That Jesus says no to the sort of power that's taken and used only to exploit other people. Power that is used only for one to be served. And as Jesus says no, he lives yes. He lives the yes of bringing healing of body, soul, and spirit Jesus lives out yes as he includes people who are excluded and looked down on. In fact, some of them may have been called sinners. And Jesus includes them. He befriends them. He loves them. That's Jesus' version of yes. And maybe as Jesus' followers, we think, well, who could object to that? Spoiler alert. The religious establishment and the Roman Empire, this is why Jesus three times says that these forces will collude and they themselves will offer a torturous no to what Jesus is about. And what is God's rebuttal when humanity does the brutal no? God raises Jesus from the dead. God says yes. God says yes to life. God says yes to love. God keeps creating. God keeps renewing. God keeps loving. God keeps rescuing. That's gospel. That's good news. Mindful that there are teachers in our midst, I hope that I do this next part properly. But there is a certain grammar that goes with gospel, that in a world where we're used to if, then, if you pay your taxes, Canada Revenue won't need to make telephone calls to remind you. If you adhere to the speed limits, you and probably one other person would do that, but uh, if you adhere to the speed limit, then the OPP won't need to pull you over and ask you to rethink your driving. That's law, isn't it? But gospel works very differently. Gospel's grammar is sense, opening to therefore. That gospel opens for us possibilities. So that God's yes to us frees us to say some yes of our own. I'm going to wander to the baptismal font. This is kind of a warning to you, Bob, as you're uh, ministering and making sure that we're seen and heard today. But there is a method to my wanderings today. Because it is at baptism that God says a yes to us. A yes of love. Since that happens, we say a few yeses of our own. So that we don't come to somehow impress God or to earn God's favor. God has said yes to that already. But we echo a yes when we say things like we will learn to love God. We will learn to proclaim Christ in our words and in our actions, that we will learn to care for the world and all that God has made and to care for each other, that we will learn to work for justice and peace. Those are our yeses, that we are free to not only speak, but to live. We are free for lives of service. Or as a professor of ours used to say back in the day, you now have something better to do with your lives. And we do. That our reason for being is like Jesus spells out. We can serve. Pastor Obvious is about to tell you (laughs) that we are not sure how to do that anymore because the world has changed so. It is a perplexing time, isn't it? How much have we changed in the way we do things? But a sermon that talks about service, I think, needs to have a word of appreciation. As I look out and I'm learning stories You are servants already, and God bless you for that. Some of you said, well, I'll take that job that nobody else wants to take, and I'll take it for a while. And a while turns into a couple of decades, and here you are still serving. Some of you have served in ways that in the church, maybe you had full-to-capacity classrooms and then some, and now, how do we serve our young adults, our youth, and our children, when they are trying to navigate their own lives in this era of pandemic and with all these commitments that are part of their lives, it leaves us a bit baffled. And yet we are free to ask a few questions about how we serve, And so we may ask ourselves things like, who is our neighbor now in a neighborhood that changes? What might our neighbors need? What gifts, and we have them, what gifts can we share with our neighbors? We might even ask of ourselves as we discern how it is we might serve our neighbor, a question that the psychiatrist and death camp survivor Viktor Frankl like to ask what keeps you up at night I mean besides the coffee you had too late where does your mind go when you start to worry about things that very well could be part of spirits call to us to figure out how to serve It might also be in asking that famous question about intersections. Where is the crossroads between what the world seems to need the most and where our greatest joy exists? It's there at that nexus, at that intersection, perhaps is our call. We are free to ask these questions individually and as a congregation. We are free people, free to serve because thanks be to God in Christ and in the resurrection, we have indeed been given a rich life and plenty to do with it. May that be so among us And thanks be to God that it is. Amen.